0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: There are entrepreneurs and business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're also giving back to the community, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking to make the most of yourself and your business, then you will want to stay tuned for the next hour. Here's your host, Chris Cooper.
2: Hi, this is Chris Cooper and welcome to the show. Um, If you want to connect with me, uh, my new website is chriscooper.co.uk. I just want to say a Big sort of thank you, firstly to my guest last week, Nigel Risner, who spoke with me about the impact code and and how we can all make a big impact in our work and lives. And I thoroughly enjoyed chatting with Nigel, and I was reminded, in particular, that with our children, if you have children at home, they they love our presence often more than our presence. And I think that's a really important thing to remember with Christmas coming along. And it's also an important thing to remember in terms of developing and building relationships in the workplace when we're dealing with people. Being present with people is such an important skill at helping us build relationships. And it's wonderful today to be present with uh, with Matt Bird. And we're going to talk about building your business through relationships. Um, I'm also going to tell you, uh, I'm very excited at the moment because uh, it's a uh, We're heading off in a a little while um, to, on a trip of a lifetime, we're going to Lapland to surprise our young children and meet Santa Claus and some reindeers and huskies. And I'm hoping that we'll have a really big, uh, as Nigel says, a big positive impact on them. And uh, we'll make sure they get lots of presents, which is sometimes hard when you've got a really busy life. I think it's important to take time and also when you can have things to look forward to. So today we're going to be talking about building really great relationships and The ability to flourish in a room of people or turn strangers into friends and secure those initial meetings with people even faster, they're learnable skills that can make a a real big difference to your business. And this week's guest, uh, Matt Bird, is going to explain and talk with me about how we, we all can build those really critical relationships and I tell you, his book, um, I've been scanning through his book. Um, it's going to be a holiday read for me, but I've had a good scan through. And there's some really good, really, really great tips in there. Now, Matt helps individuals. He works with teams and with organizations, and he builds, helps them build relationships that are, are needed to be more successful. And he's the author of Relationology, 101 Secrets to Grow Your Business Through the Power of Relationships. He's an international keynote speaker and business relationship consultant and his programs you know, generally uh, you know, do create and are renowned for creating lasting change. He's worked with organizations such as the BBC, the Home Office, Santander, the Royal British Legion. He's a popular columnist and blogger whose business relationship insights are read and listened to by literally thousands of people globally every week. His charitable work has received commendations from successive British governments and also prime ministers, and most recently for uh, something called the Cinnamon Network. Matt lives in Wimbledon with his wife Esther and their three young children, and uh, he, he has an allotment, he says, and he's also a foodie and uh, loves the food sort of scene. So a big welcome to Matt Bird.
3: Hey, Chris, it's great to be with you. Thank you so much for inviting me to be your guest. You're, you're very
2: welcome. You're very welcome. And you, you're, you live in uh, Wimbledon in London, is that correct?
3: Yeah, the home of the tennis, the home of the Wombles, and of course the Bird family.
2: <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah. I always think uh, there's probably people listening thinking the wombles, but it was. Uh, I always think of the wombles when I think of Wimbledon. Like if I come past Wimbledon Common as well, it was uh, something from uh, from our childhood, I guess. At,
3: at yeah, August. those little furry creatures that are renowned for living in burrows on Wimbledon Common. Uh, the kids, whenever they're up there, they're always searching to try and find one, but they've not they've not succeeded yet.
2: Excellent. I bet Dad just occasionally manages to see one. and The kids just don't quite manage to.
3: How do you them. know? <laughs> <laughs> it does get them running around though, trying to catch them. <laughs>
2: I just know what those dads are like. <laughs> so you, I just, when I was reading your your introduction and thinking about it, there, I, uh, I you know read about this cinema network, and, I, and it sounds absolutely fascinating. It's clearly having a a big sort of, you know, impact. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that, that, and you know, why actually you chose to do this? Cause it's, I know it's a really kind of, um, charitable concern, that you're yeah. giving lots of your time and energy to.
3: Yeah. Well, Chris, you know, I'm passionate about building relationships, whether it's in the family, Uh, in the community or in the the business world. And uh, part of my giving back to the community is actually helping uh, local churches build better relationships with their community to identify what uh, needs communities have and to start uh, projects, sustainable projects, that actually address those social needs in the community. So we have nearly uh, 4,000 local churches in the UK who are leading one of the projects that Cinema Network recognizes and promotes that's uh it's about 10% of the church in the UK and they're helping homeless people, people out of work, people with addictions, uh people wrestling with food poverty or homelessness and uh, they're making a real difference to people who are uh, who are on their uppers
2: So so you know what it what it sounds like it's doing is you know I I may be you know maybe being very unfair by saying this but I often Think about you know churches as maybe being more reactive than being really proactive in the community. So that's you know a, a real kind of proactive initiative. It feels.
3: Yeah, it's proactive and it's uh, it's 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 helping shift the focus of uh, of religious life from just internal matters to to be externally oriented, to be focused on. Those around us, um, you know, because uh, you know, a big theme in the Bible is, you know, we are our brother's keeper. We are responsible for the people that we live around, and uh, those people that are vulnerable or those people that need. It's not somebody else's job to look after them as as good citizens of a of a community and a neighbourhood. You know, we need. to uh, I believe we need to take responsibility uh, for those people, and uh, you know, we're part of a, a society, and uh, the way the way that society looks after those people in need, says an awful lot about it. Mm.
2: Yeah, basically, So the, the churches are really going out and doing good as opposed to maybe just you know, suggesting everybody else should.
3: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, one of the other things yeah, the Bible makes very clear is that you know, Christian faith without action is dead. Um, so you can sing about it and pray about it all you like, but unless you can take that faith and put it into action to serve other people, it's not really worth having.
2: And its it sounds like it's being, you know, really recognised at uh, the highest level in this country.
3: Yeah, we have been really uh, fortunate to have been recognised by the, the British government and the Prime Minister uh, for the work that we're doing, uh, you know, in communities. And uh, the British government have been a huge uh, supporter uh, of our work financially and uh, often talking about it on the floor of the House of Commons. And uh, yes, but it is, we're, we're grateful that it's received uh, recognition for what you know, ordinary people in ordinary churches are doing at the length and breadth of the United Kingdom. Good, you should be very proud. Um, so tell
2: us about Relationology and then where the, the idea came from.
3: Well, Relationology, Chris, it all started because four years ago, I was invited to speak at a business conference on the subject of networking. And um, I don't know about the listeners today, but when I hear the word networking, I squirm inside. Uh, I find networking a little bit contrived and a little bit manipulative. And so when I was asked to speak on the subject, I, I declined. And uh, explaining that I was uh, uh, committed to building long-term, authentic relationships. And the conference organiser immediately turned to me and said, "Oh, well, would you speak on that subject? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I kind of I, I agreed. Uh, but I didn't want to turn up at the conference and uh, present myself as the anti-networking guy. I thought, well, what am I about? And uh, so I just reflected that, you know, relationships for us all are a science because uh, we can all learn to do them better whether at work or at home, and uh, relationships are also an art form because uh, they take a lifetime to master, and so I was thinking about the art and science of relationships and the study of relationships, and I just got this word, relationology, came into my head, so I ran to my computer and Googled it, and I bought the company, trademarked the name, bought the website domains, and that's where it all began. Excellent. What do you you think of the problems
2: when relationology is not being applied?
3: Well, you can see that um, in our society. Uh, I mean, I'm sure we'll focus in on business shortly, Chris. But you can see you can see where relationships are not good, how how society doesn't work, and uh, certainly in the British uh, culture, you know, we've seen um, uh, what uh, the banks have done, you know, and the, the breakdown of trust from the consumer to the banks. Uh, the uh, telephone hacking and the breakdown of trust in the media, um, expenses scandals and a breakdown of trust with government and politics and you know some priests misbehaving and a breakdown of trust in the church. And so every, it seems that every institution in our society in recent years has been called into question um, because there's been a breakdown, an erosion of trust, and the only way that trust can be rebuilt Is by focusing on building quality, uh, authentic relationships. And uh, if you ask me what my highest purpose is, you know, it's about rebuilding trust in society uh, because where there's a breakdown of relationships, whether it's in a family or in a neighborhood or in a a business, um, there's a dysfunctionality and uh, there's a there's a, 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 a clumsiness about the relationships, but where relationships are, are are strong, there's flourishing and thriving and well-being and prosperity. And so that's why I'm passionate, you know, both in my charitable work in the community and in my business and um, the way I help other businesses is about building quality relationships um, that help achieve greater impact and greater success. It's quite it's quite very interesting what
2: you're saying, and I was sort of thinking it's probably I don't know the last the last ten years. I mean, the big this this, this concept of trust. Uh, there's a book you will know, be very familiar with, Stephen M.R. Covey, The Speed of Trust, uh, and, it, and it felt like you know that book and you know uh, the discussion about about trust and and its importance. It feels like it's come more to the fore, but yet if we look at the you know, the current um, situations within our country and, and between countries and, you know, with um, different factions and the like around the world, it feels at this point that we're at a bit of a, you know, hit a bit of a low point.
3: Yeah, it certainly feels that way. And uh, and for many of us, uh, I think we've had experiences of relationships that have impacted us deeply. I remember growing up, uh, my father getting in from work, uh, throwing his shoes off, uh, watching TV from the sofa. And I can remember the doorbell ringing and my father reaching for the remote control, putting the television on mute and ushering my mum and my sister and I to hide behind the sofa and pretend nobody was home. Uh, It wasn't until later in life that uh, I realised that wasn't normal family behaviour. But but, uh, it is one of the things that has made me particularly passionate about relationships. And I think most people listening have probably got a story about a relationship or some relationships they've had that they could tell that 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 is filled with real passion that makes them know deep down actually it is the quality of our relationships uh, that determines both our life happiness and our vocational success.
2: So, can I ask? Cause I know people may may be wondering this now. Now you mentioned that story about your your, your dad and everybody having to hide, uh, why was that?
3: That's a really good question, Chris, that I'm not sure I fully understand, even to this day. Um, but I, I suspect it was, uh, it was driven by uh, a lack of confidence around people, a lack of confidence in uh, who he was. And uh, so I'm passionate with my own children. I've got a 5, 8 and a 10-year-old. I'm passionate about them being confident about who they are and becoming the best possible version of themselves they possibly can and um, to be really confident about building relationships with people of all different shapes and sizes and colors and backgrounds and cultures um, because, you know, the diversity uh, and the quality of our relationships directly determines our life, uh, uh, our life, um, our life impact and our life success. Um, and the smaller the group of relationships we have, um, the less diverse that group of relationships. The opportunities in life for us close down. Uh, so I'm passionate for my own children for them to develop diverse relationships. You know, people they know really well and people they know just a bit, mm. and to 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 what I call collect, keep and grow relationships as they go through life because they determine so much for us.
2: Uh, that's yeah. That's really you know really good. Uh, point about collecting relationships keeping them and growing them yeah yeah and so there's some tools out there like you know likes of linkedin and things like that which can help us from a business perspective do that but it uh, i often i had this conversation actually only a couple of days ago with uh, uh, with a, a potential client that i spoken with there was two of them actually and i had done a little bit of research on them to find out a bit about their backgrounds and, and they've had very little on linkedin and i was sort of suggesting them to them you know, a, a good thing is actually to make sure you've got a really good sort of profile there, collect your contacts, keep in touch with them because one day you, you might need it, particularly if you don't have a job you know, or, or something happens and you've got to find another one, you're not scrambling then to reconnect with everybody.
3: Yeah, and um, I mean, it's really important, and my book is framed around collecting, keeping and growing relationships, and one of the really important points uh, that it makes is that we need to build the relationships before we need them. Mm. Uh, We all know what it's like to get a phone call from somebody that we've not heard from from for years that needs something from us, Uh, but even today, this morning, I phoned a friend uh, that I'm in regular contact with, and I needed to ask them a big favor and um, you know that because I invested in the relationship they were willing to take my call hear my request uh, and respond positively even before they had a uh, had a time to properly process the request I asked and I think it's just really important that we we build authentic relationships and we we build them before we need them otherwise it's just very transactional and, and people feel like we we're we're only building relationships for what we can get out of them. We don't really genuinely care about the other person. Um, it's ju- we just care about what we can get from them. And that's, that's one of the aspects of networking that I find really uncomfortable. And it's why I promote you know, building authentic, genuine uh, relationships with people. Yeah, it make, makes a huge amount of sense uh, because you're absolutely right.
2: I think uh, I completely agree with you about networking. That, that word to suggest you're networking for your own kind of benefit, doesn't it? Um, but the reality is by by connecting with people, we can all help each other. And if we if we can enjoy doing it in the process uh, and do yep. it for authentic reasons, uh, then, you know, we potentially
3: can all benefit. Yeah, and I think, uh, Chris, that that generosity, and that's one of the themes that comes through in my book, generosity is at the heart of all good relationships. But the question, obviously, we all ask is... Uh, How do you sustain generosity within a commercial context? Mm. How can you, when you're operating in a business where it is transactional, where there are constant exchanges of value for money, that's the whole point. um, How in that context uh, that's commercially driven, can you sustain generosity in your relationships? And that's, that's a really important question. It, it is, and, and but it is possible,
2: isn't it? You know, look at what you you've achieved in, with the cinnamon network. You know, massive amount of generosity has gone into that, and you're doing that, you know, because you you're authentic and you you love to add value. Um, for me, my radio show, I, you know, I, it's, it's it's an act of giving, really putting this time in to do it. But lovely things ultimately come back and um, I, was, I was chatting with someone last week who actually this week again who 's got an amazing newsletter and they 've just been giving out information to an industry and now within two years, nine and a half thousand people are accessing that and they 're now putting the biggest conferences on in that industry but, but it all started by you know giving and you know not necessarily expecting in return so it 's is possible isn 't it
3: oh it is absolutely possible, absolutely possible and it 's you know generosity is uh is something that's given now, you know, in the immediate, but also generosity is an investment in the future. Yeah.
2: Well, we're going to go to commercial break now, and after the break we're going to go and sort of start teasing into some of the real key aspects of relationality and what we can actually do to uh, make a difference with our relationships. So we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes.
0: Pacific time on the voice america business channel
1: if you hear a dog barking or an angel singing then you know that you're listening to waking up in america heard every wednesday at 3 pacific time valerie kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential adventure is always a must on waking up in america
0: with valerie kirkard every wednesday at 3 pacific When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
1: You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper.
2: Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Matt Bird, And we're talking about building your business through relationships. And Matt, one of your principles in your book, that, as I was scanning through it, was you should value people. I wonder if you want to explain you know, what, what you mean and how you really do value people. And, and tell us about that story of what you learned in the home of the UK Prime Minister in 10 Downing Street.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know... Um there was a, a, an amazing African-American <clears throat> actress, poet, Maya Angelou, who said, uh, people forget what we say, people forget what we do, but people never forget how we make them feel. And, uh, you know, for people to feel valued, it's, it's, it's what impact, personal impact we have upon them when we meet them. And I remember the, the, uh, the occasion you were referring to at uh, 10 Downing Street and uh, milling in the crowd. And um, uh, I, I said hello to a government minister who i would met before. Um, and I introduced a friend. And uh, they, just, they, just, they were just somewhere else. They just didn't want to engage in conversation at all. And, uh, and my friend and I just kind of left. And we didn't feel, we didn't feel great having uh, encountered them. Uh, but we t- spoke to another government minister and it was a completely different experience. I can't remember what they said or what they did, but how they made uh, my friend and I feel uh, was really powerful. And uh, I think it's really important that uh, as we encounter people in, people in our lives, one of the most powerful things we can do is, uh, is to focus on what, what impact is it that we have with them, having met them. Um, are, we, are we generous in the way that we treat people and uh, with our resources uh, to make an impact uh, in people's lives? Fabulous.
2: So, how, how let's move on to how do you best build your personal network, or if, if it's okay to use the word network, by the way?
3: Yeah, I'm happy with network. <laughs> <Networking>. <laughs> Yeah um I mean for me it's about uh collecting keeping and growing relationships um you know some people are mad about collecting stamps vintage cars music uh, but I've been a, I've had a passion since very early on in my life to actually collect people and uh find people uh, of all different uh, sorts uh and and uh, and inter, 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 interact with them and connect with them and find some chemistry with them and then find a way of trying to keep in touch with everybody you know, and, and over the years building some really growing, some really deep relationships with them. And that's a real challenge, isn't it? How, how do you keep in touch with everybody you know? It's a huge challenge. I, I, I do think that um, you know, social media uh, makes a big difference uh, to the number of people we can keep in contact with. I mean, Chris, you were saying before the break there about the importance of uh, having a LinkedIn profile and... Um, and, and connecting with people that way. And it allows you to keep in contact with thousands of people that you may not have been able to do by a traditional uh, pen and paper and envelope and stamp. Um, at the end of the, every week, I, I take a few minutes and I go onto LinkedIn and uh, I invite to connect with me all the new people I've met that week. And, um, you know, it's, a, it's an important discipline to learn uh, for us all, you know, little ways that we can uh, keep connected with the people that we meet. Yeah, definitely, and and I think I think an interesting challenge when you do get a
2: lot of contacts. I mean, you can obviously keep in touch with newsletters and things like that, but how you how you maintain a you know quality relation a relationship with every one of them. And I'm, I guess I'm thinking a little personally here. I've probably maybe interviewed about 160 people so far on this show.
3: Wow, that's amazing.
2: Uh, and uh, you know, and and I, lots of those people, if I picked up the phone, they would be, they would be really delighted to hear from me. And but but actually having the physical time to do that and the strategy to do it. Uh, You know, maybe there's more I could could do to keep in touch with them, really.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, what's really important to understand is that we we can't be friends with everybody, Chris, but we can be friendly with everybody, you know. Um, We can't have the same sorts of relationship with everybody we know, and that's okay. And, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, um, obviously the really close relationships are important to us, uh, but also those if I can call them this, superficial relationships can be really powerful as well, Um, and uh, there's research that's been carried out that shows that uh, two-thirds of jobs are never advertised (laughs) because they go to people uh, that are already known within your network, but very often uh, those jobs go or contracts go to people that you don't actually know that well, but you once met or twice met or you had some positive encounter with. And uh, you know, it's I, I, why I always say the true currency of business is relationships. It's not money. You know, people choose to work with people they know, they like, they trust. You know, it, it's relationships that make business work. Mm. So,
2: uh, <clears throat> so being awkward with people, and uh, you, you remember it, don't you? I think if I think back through my life and career, I can, you know, I could probably quickly come up with a list of uh, of people who uh, didn't. Uh, Managed a relationship with me very well. And uh, one or two of them have even come back for help. But uh, (laughs) less likely to to give it, I think.
3: Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure, you know, Chris, if you and I were to think for a moment and our listeners today, um, think about all the good things that have happened in their lives. Actually, you could probably name a person that created that opportunity for you. Yeah. And um, as I look back through my life, my first book, my first blue chip contract, my first job, my first wife, only wife, um, yeah, everything good that's ever happened, I can name a person who, who introduced me or who made that opportunity happen for me. And I've done a lot of research about the value of uh, building quality relationships, and uh, one of the things that comes up every time is the quality of your relationships uh, determines the life opportunities that come your way. So it's really powerful to build, you know, a deep and wide, uh, a deep and wide network of relationships.
2: Fantastic. So how? We in the introduction, I think I mentioned there about you know flourishing in a room. So, what are your tips when you do find yourself at that event and you have got lots of people in front of you, you don't know them, maybe you even on your own?
3: How do you flourish? Yeah, well, the, the most important thing about going to an event where you're going to meet lots of people you don't know is you've got to have the right attitude. So, if you really don't want to go, uh, you're best off staying at home. Uh, only re- it's like playing a game, but I love I love squash or uh, whatever your sport is. You know, actually, so much about doing well at the game is about your mental attitude as you go into it. So, you know, as you uh, as you look in your diary and think, oh, I've got to go to that event where I'm going to meet loads of people I don't know, um, the really important thing is to get the right attitude about it or don't bother going uh, because if you go thinking it's going to be awful and, uh, you know, so, so often these things are self-fulfilling prophecies. So, uh, you know, so get the right attitude about it. Secondly, smile. Um, you know uh you know, people people warm uh to people who radiate happiness, and uh so as you walk into the room, you know uh you've decided you're going to have a good time. let your face know you're going to have a good time and uh, there are lots of options, aren't they, when you walk into a room of uh, a crowded room of people um you can uh, uh head for the person who's standing on their own and has nobody to talk to. Uh, But there's probably a reason that they're stood there on their own. (laughs) uh, Or you can try and find that person that you know. uh, But, you know, then you never end up meeting anybody new. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are different strategies and different strategies work for different personality types. But something I'd I'd suggest, perhaps if you're listening now, next time you walk into a room of of people, um, why don't you head and get yourself a drink? And whilst you're doing that, just survey the room and identify where the energy is and the noise is in the room and go and introduce yourself to that bunch of people because that's where the life and the action is and just go and get involved and uh you know i mean how do you get into that circle i can i can hear your next question chris mm. <laughs> um know, yeah, because you can stand on the edge of the circle like a lemon yep. and nobody speaks to you um you can try and get a word in and, and introduce yourself and sometimes that works but the uh the uh, approach that that, that always works for me is uh, to approach the group um, um, uh, beside the person who's um, speaking. And um, just as you approach the group, touch the person very gently on the arm. And in that moment, they will stop talking for an instant and turn to you. And in that moment, you can say hello and uh, introduce yourself and join the conversation. A friend of mine who's a little bit... Uh, more introverted than I am, um, calls that the nuclear option, but uh, (laughs) it it works, try it guys, just try it.
2: Excellent, I shall give that one a go, so how do do you turn a stranger into a friend?
3: That's a great question and it's a a question I ask in the book, so uh, I'll throw out one or two two thoughts uh, just to get you going, but I think uh, one of the most powerful ways that you can uh, turn a stranger into a friend is to be genuinely interested in them. Um, you know, uh, it's it's it, it, it's so powerful. We've all been at weddings, haven't we? All been at an award ceremony, and we're sat at the table. And after ten minutes, twenty minutes, you've exhausted conversation, and you think, "Well, I'm here for another couple of hours. What on earth is the rest of the the afternoon or the evening going to look like?" Um, but you know, it's 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 so important to focus on the other person, to understand what makes them tick and what ticks them off, about what their their aspirations are in life, what their passions are. There's so much you can find out about another person, and it's 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 just showing a genuine. Uh, uh, interest and a, and a curiosity uh, in the other person. It's it's so often uh, it's so easy often to uh, want to talk about ourselves, but actually, you know, the most powerful thing you can do in conversation is to get others to speak. Uh, somebody once said, "A gossip, no, a, a, a bore talks to you about themselves. A gossip talks to you about others, but a conversationalist Talks to you about you, and uh, I think becoming a conversationalist by by showing an interest in others and getting them to speak is the one of the most powerful ways you can turn an absolute stranger into a friend. Fantastic. We had a
2: I interviewed a gentleman called Marshall Thurber on the show who who sort of mentored people like um, Anthony Robbins and Vic Martin Hansen and Jack Canfield and the like, and really really engaged, a very successful individual and. And I asked him after the interview what was his secret uh, to his success. And he said, he said Chris, um, you know, always be um, interested rather than trying to be interesting. Yeah. Um, and that's really, really stuck with me. Yeah. I think it's a really uh, you know, helpful point in these situations, I think. Yeah.
3: yeah. It's more important to be interested than interesting is uh, really powerful.
2: So how do you take... How do you take, uh, you know, from you've turned a stranger maybe into the start of a bit of a friendship, but how do you sort of turn that to maybe securing uh, an initial meeting for a piece of work?
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all give out loads of business cards, don't we? But uh, how often do you actually ever hear back from somebody you give a business card to? Uh, very rarely is my experience. And so I say to people, it doesn't matter how many business cards you give out, the only business cards that matter are the ones that you can collect, because the ones you collect are the only things, uh, the only ones you can decide to do anything about. Yeah. And uh, if you've met somebody, you know, um, and they haven't got a business card, uh, they may say to you, oh, well, give me yours and I'll email you. They, they won't. Right. <laughs> you know, I always have a little jotter in my pocket. And uh, I pass it, and I say, "Oh, just just scribble your email down there." And um, so that that's really important. And and so the importance of following through after you've met somebody is the is the point I wanted to make, really. Because um, if you just go to these events and meet people and then do nothing about it, you're wasting your time. You might as well have stayed at home. So um, you know, it's really important having met somebody once to uh, cr- uh, to to practice the discipline. Of reaching out to them afterwards, you know, you might want to set yourself a target to to reach out within 24 hours or 48 hours um, when you've met somebody, and uh, just re- you know, thank them for the conversation, and you know, let's say let's keep in touch or let's connect on LinkedIn, or you know, if you've had a particularly interesting conversation, you want to follow through. Just say you know, let's. Uh, I mean, you're part of town next next week, or uh, can we meet for a coffee? And so just to begin to uh, create more uh, relational rapport with that person you know, is really important. And that's how you begin to, to to keep in touch um, with the people you've met.
2: And we talked a little bit earlier on about trust. So how, how, do, you, how, how do you build that? Sorry, I think something just fell off my chair. I don't know what it was.
3: <laughs> yeah. how, do you, how do you build trust? How do you build trust? I think one of the most powerful ways... That you can build trust, Chris, is is to actually be open and vulnerable. Um, you know, you meet, we you you meet just successful people all the time, and uh, so often all you get from them is a veneer of success. Um, and uh, you know, and you're sat there, stood there, feeling very human, and um, it's really hard to to connect with somebody who just has this veneer that you can't get beyond. But uh, the people that we really connect with in life are those people who, are, who show genuine humanness uh, and openness. And, uh, and if I can say this, actually being vulnerable, you know, by being vulnerable with another person, by, by expressing um, uh, things about, about yourself, about life, that show humility and humanity uh actually people connect with that and uh uh, and and one of the fastest ways to grow a deeper relationship is to begin to share some of your vulnerable self because it says to the other person i trust you Mm. and uh and often that, that will then be reciprocated and they will be vulnerable. back and say, oh, yeah, me too. I really, that's really difficult. Or, you know, I, yeah. It, it, there's this kind of, there's this connection of human people, of human beings. And, um, you know, that vulnerability and that openness and that humanness is a really powerful way to connect with people. So my little story earlier about my father hiding behind the sofa uh, with my mom and my my sister and I, you know, when I was growing up. It um, doesn't sound very impressive, but, but, but you'd be amazed how many people say to me, Oh, I, I had an experience once upon a time, <clears throat> you know, with, uh, with a parent or, a, or somebody, you know, and it was really strange in the way they dealt with relationships. And, and they, they relate to it and, uh, and they trust you. So vulnerability, I think, is really powerful, Chris.
2: Absolutely. And on that, uh, on that point, we're going to go to commercial break again. And we shall be back with you again in just a couple of minutes.
0: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
1: Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential?
0: Do you, like most Americans, spend the majority of your life at work? Are you making it the joy that it deserves to be, or are you feeling drained and unfocused? Tune in to A Great Place to Work with hosts Kurt Kaufman and Dr. Kathy Sorensen. Your hosts have more than 30 years of experience in workplace consulting and are ready to bring you the secrets and success stories of businesses who are making their business a great place to work. Listen every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and enjoy a better workplace and a better life. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy.
2: Hi, this is Chris Coop, and with Matt Berg, we're talking about relationshipology, or relationology, even. Um, so, <laughs> so Matt, how do you how do you overcome self doubt? Because you know you mentioned a little earlier someone there who who described your method of uh, you know, touching someone on the arm as being the kind of nuclear approach. <laughs> <laughs> what, what if you do have self doubt and you're sitting there and you are feeling you know com- uncomfortable at that event and you are that one person on your own purely because you're you're not naturally as gregarious as others.
3: Yeah, and uh, we we all have. I think we all have self doubt at times. And uh, I remember on one occasion uh, there was a, a city guy who uh, is just uh, you know big big uh, job, uh, you know big London house, big country house, helicopter, you know the works. And um, as I was getting to know him, I always felt so so intimidated by him. You know, I was always nervous when I saw him and uh, just lacked confidence uh, when I was with him, um, no matter how I tried. And then one day I I saw him in his home and uh, he was was just relaxing with his family, with his kids, and um, uh, he was just on the floor playing Lego with the children and they were calling him... Uh, he was calling the children. You know, this bear, that bear, Joseph Bear, Reuben Bear. It was just. It was just like just a real insight into real humanity of this person. And um, from that day forward, actually, I just saw him completely differently. And it was. Uh, I became more confident uh, with him because I just realised actually he wasn't this superhuman person, but he was ordinary, just like me and like you. And so, I, I whenever I feel tinges of. Uh, of feeling intimidated by people nowadays, Chris. I just, I just imagine them on the floor uh, playing Lego with their kids and uh, it changes everything.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, but you know, developing, developing self-confidence is really important in relationships. Because unless, unless we have that self-belief, it's really difficult for us to, to go out there and uh, be all that we've been made to be, and, and and build positive relationships.
2: It's it's funny, isn't it? I I find sometimes it's kind of situational. Um, you know, myself, I find I go to events. Sometimes I feel extremely confident, and because I like I like talking with people and connecting with people. Yeah, I was at an event probably about two months ago with with a lot of people there, and I actually I actually felt like a fish out of water, um, and. You know, it was unusual. Why I didn't, my my usual confidence wasn't
3: there, Um and I, I think that happens to us all, Chris. I mean, I was just this week. I went to an event and I felt the same. Uh, and I think the important thing is, in that moment, you either think, "Okay, I'm just going to go home" or go to the next meeting, or you have to turn a switch in your head and say, "Okay, I'm going to make this work," <laughs> you know. Um, and uh, one of the ways you can do that is to just think back to a, an occasion where you were at your best and you were just so engaging with the people you were meeting. You were more interested in them than yourself. And just replay that in your mind, just to re, reprogram, rewire your mind in a sense to think, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to meet some people because uh, there's some amazing people here. And uh, and you go for it. And uh, sometimes you just need to flip that switch. Uh, and one of the ways you can do that is by replaying, you know, a time when you knew when you were re-flourished in a room. Mm. Yeah, that makes a uh, good good str-
2: good strategy. That one. Um, I, w- I want to ask you a question now about damaged relationships because you know sometimes we do we do end up with uh, you know for whatever reason you know a relationship that isn't going how we hoped it might and maybe even a relationship where we avoid each other for a period of time and there's some discomfort. Uh, how would you recommend dealing with those types of relationships?
3: Yeah, I mean, that we, we all have those relationships, don't we? And, and most relationships we have go, most of them, not all of them, go through a season when they're more difficult. Um, and then there are other occasions where there's a real breakdown in a relationship, you know, with, with a client or with a friend and, you know, having, I think having the humility, Chris, to actually recognize that something has gone wrong and to admit that to the other person, I think is the very first step of trying to repair uh, that 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 dysfunctional relationship. Because um, the other person knows it and is thinking it as well. So why don't you just be the first person to... Uh, actually recognize that and, uh, and personally begin to take some, take some responsibility for trying to uh, put things right. And very often it's, it's you know, just, just recognizing that and, uh, uh, and, and inviting the other person to speak just gives them an opportunity to, um, to articulate what it is that's happened uh, that's made the relationship difficult. And I think very often, you know, when I'm in a situation like that, I really want to hear from the other person to understand what it is that I've done or not done or said or not said that, that, that that's offended them. And and I think that um, that understanding of, of, of what's gone wrong and a and a taking of responsibility for it, you know, is is the next step. And then of course there's the there's the the apology. You know the importance of of uh, being genuinely heartfelt, regretful uh, about what's happened, and and then then making making steps to make sure it doesn't happen again, or to and re, uh, to rebuild the relationship. Uh, and that happens with clients and customers. Uh, I mean, it's why it's so so important in you know in customer service. It, it, in, in customer service, you know things will always go wrong. The question is. The really important question is: What happens when things go wrong? Uh, are we able to to rectify and to put things right? Uh, uh, and I think customer service is a great illustration, actually, for all relationships. Do we pretend that nothing went wrong and ignore it, and people disengage and become distant, or do we actually say, "I'm sorry that that wasn't right," and you know, let's 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 see if we can put things right between us? You know, so I think customer service is a great example, actually, for all our relationships. It's not that things never go wrong, but it's actually how we react when things do go wrong is really important. And sometimes
2: it's, it's quite very hard to make that first step, particularly if you're the one who's really feeling wronged. Um, in those situations when you are feeling really wronged, um, you know, is it sometimes best just to let sleeping dogs lie, or is it uh, is time a bit the healer? You give it, give it a year or something, and then maybe revisit it.
3: Yeah, I I I I think the only way to actually resolve things is to talk to the person, and it's so easy to talk to another person and not the person who's offended you. You know, and I always encourage people. You know, uh, don't talk about other people. Talk to other people, and if somebody's uh, upset you you know, find the right moment and in the right way, tell them, don't go and bad mouth them to other people. Um, it just makes you look really bad. Actually, the people we meet in life, who go around criticizing other people. Uh, I'm not impressed by them. <laughs> you know, they, they, uh, they're, all, they're people you want to avoid because you think, well, if they go around complaining about that person and the other person, what do they say about me when I'm not in the room? And, uh, and so that, uh, that honesty, I think, with people, choosing the right time, the right place, and actually just telling people. And, uh, and it's that kind of, those kind of habits that actually create relationships to be repaired rather than to get worse, because uh, the, the stuff that goes wrong never really goes away unless you, you face up to it. Mm, and you kind of
2: carry it around with you, don't you?
3: Yeah. Yeah. And you, you, as a damaged person, you go and damage other people, and uh, it's not, it's, it's not, it's not great.
2: So how do you best uh, deal with relationships so they lead through to maybe referrals to your business?
3: Yeah, I mean, um, I believe that relationships offer the ultimate competitive advantage and market differentiation. You know, uh, the marketplace is saturated with providers. So why would anybody choose to go with you? Um, and and it's, it's, it's the relationships that give you that competitive edge. Because even when, you know, procurement are heavily involved in contracting a a new supplier, um, actually, when they've heard all the pitches, whether you're an agent, an advertising agency or an an accountancy firm, um, actually, the client will sit there and think, who do we like? Yeah. Who can we get on with? Who can we trust? And so, the power of relationships is really important. So, you know, if you want to do well in business, the most powerful, one of the most powerful things you can do is um, to build a quality network of relationships of people who can become your clients or people who can refer you to others. You know, There's nothing more exciting than somebody telling you about a, um, a, a problem uh, in their business and being able to say, ah, I know somebody who can help you let me introduce you or let me, let me, uh, let me uh, ask somebody to give you a call. And to be actually how to help somebody add value to their business in that way is really powerful. So, you know, referrals are really, really, really important. And, but I think it's really important to understand the difference between an introduction and a referral. An introduction is just, oh, Chris, I think you need to meet Bob because, um, because I think you'd be intre- you, you're, you've got some stuff in common, common you'll enjoy meeting and talking. But the referral is an introduction at the point of need. You know, it uh, it comes, uh, you know, from, uh, from a supplier to a client when that client has a need for your services at that time. So referrals are so powerful in building a business.
2: Also, I, I've had some lovely referrals recently, and what has been so special about them is that the person who's referred in each instance has got such a a great relationship with that client that some of it kind of rubs off off a bit with you Uh, and you know people they and and they actually you know the client is generally really interested because you have been recommended by somebody that they really trust
3: yeah it's what I call Chris the trust transfer you know there is a transfer of trust from the introducer to the introduced in the eye of the third party you know if I if I uh, uh, refer you to one of my clients That I've been working with and uh, I've built trust with over many years. They'll take you far more seriously because I'm introducing you than if a stranger did. And uh, that transfer of trust that you were describing um, is so powerful. And that's why, you know, referrals, they generally come from people you know. They don't come from strangers. They come from this network of people you've built relationships with. And uh, so if you want to uh, generate more referrals, you know, Build a relationship, build a network of people who know you and not only know you but know what you do. And uh, that is a powerful way to uh, get more business referrals. Matt, and we're coming towards the end of the interview
2: now, so we've got about a minute uh, for, you know, for your final messages really. What would you like to leave us
3: with? Yeah, I just want to say, Chris, the true currency of life is relationships. Actually, if you want to be more happy in life, if you want to make more impact in life, if you want to be more successful in life, focus above everything else on building quality relationships.
2: Matt, it's been a pleasure talking to you today.
3: Thank you. And uh, if people want to know more, just encourage you to visit my website, www.relationology.co.uk. Get my book, get my blogs. It'd be great to connect with you. Excellent. You just beat me to it. Um, so yes, yeah, so that's relationology.co.uk,
2: and if you've got any questions or feedback on the show, please send them to me as at uh, chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Um, obviously, go to to Matt. Um, on uh, next week's show, we have Sean Casemore, who's speaking to me from Ontario in Canada about how to lead, motivate, and inspire operational employees. And then we're getting towards the Christmas period, so I've got a couple of shows that I really uh, love with uh, Hilary Wilson on career success, uh, Nicky Owens on charisma that I shall be re- repeating during the kind of Christmas period, and then I'll be back with you again in, in early January uh, with uh, David Lang. So uh, I look forward to uh, speaking to you all again next week, and uh, thanks again, Matt Bird. Matt's been a tremendous chatting with you today, and I wish everybody's listening well.
3: Thank you, Chris.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
1: Thank you for listening to Be More, Achieve More. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, typically 4 p.m. London on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week.